Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Now, today we're not talking so much about savings, so much about income. We're talking about debt. We've got Lyle Solomon on the line here, and he'll be sharing with us some simple tips for saving more money and paying down debt. Lyle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Happy to be here. You, you got it. And few things I found interesting about you is your website says you're a payday loan crusader and you help 6,000 people become debt-free over the course of your career. Let's, let's talk about a little bit about that. Okay, certainly. Just a real quick background on that. Over the last 20 years, I have, I started out working with debt collectors, credit card companies, banks, and companies who were owed money. And in the course of that, I found many similarities with the people that I was dealing with on the other side of the table. And so as a result, over the last at least three years, I have hooked up, I have become a part of a group called Oakview Law Group, which focuses on debt resolution. And in that process, I have been able to bring the things that I learned previously about how creditors look at debt. And I, I have so far been, you know, had success in helping debtors then, the con- consumers, reach out to those creditors and be able to resolve those debts most of the time without resorting to bankruptcy or other drastic measures. Yeah, and that's a, a drastic measure, something you, you generally want to avoid. And you use some terms there, debtor, creditor. A creditor, think of it like the credit card. Like you owe somebody some money. And when you owe somebody some money, you're in debt. That makes you a debtor. And it's been interesting. I like, too, what you said. You've helped the debtors, the people that owe money, reach out to the people that they owe the money to to try to resolve whatever the issue is. I, I got a feeling a lot of people, when they are in debt, they're maybe trying to hide from the people they owe money to. It sounds like maybe that's not the best way to go. Uh, absolutely. I, I reflect on my own life as a 20-something and dealing with creditors and a, the approach that I had at, at that during that time period was very much a head in the sand ostrich approach. And I found out very quickly that that doesn't work. And yet I am constantly surprised in dealing with consumers who, you know, who owe money to people that many of them at whatever age they are, think that that might be an effective approach. And I'm, as I said, in previous practice, I had the responsibility of telling those individuals, you know, you can, you can hide in the sand, your head in the sand as much as you want to, 
but we have found you and my job now is to ask to take further steps to assist the creditor the credit card company the bank who may it be in finding ways to satisfy those debts and yeah right on the people you borrow money you owe the money and so the, that's what the creditor is trying to figure out you owe us money how can we get the money that you owe and yet at the same time there's maybe some different circumstances that come about and that's where you come in the middle to say well okay if you owe the money somebody gets all the money let's come to a resolution so that uh, everyone can come out ahead uh, that's that's probably a better thing than just ignoring it or or hopefully you know avoiding court uh, costs and things like that well yeah one thing that consumers a lot of consumers i've spoken with felt to realize is that number one when you enter in into some kind of loan agreement that is a contract and most of them are legally enforceable by the courts second part of that that people don't always realize is that when you borrow money from a bank credit card almost anybody there is an interest charged with that with that borrowing and that interest majority of the time does not stop until the debt is completely paid so I have had the instance, a lot of instance in the past where I've gone to court, you know, my client has filed, filed suit to try and collect on the debt. I go to court, the individual being sued doesn't show up. I get a judgment from the court and right on the judgment it says, beginning today, interest at the rate in, I'm in California, so interest at the rate of 10% per annum begins to accrue to that amount. So, you know, for a person that had a, a high interest loan, and I've seen them 30% and higher, that may be a savings now that, you know, they're only dealing with an interest rate of 10%, but the fact remains the same that 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 interest, whether it's a, no matter what the percentage rate on it, it continues to build up to accrue until the debt is actually paid. Yeah, and one thing you uh, told me earlier is just because you say I can't pay doesn't mean they will go away. I, I love it because it rhymes. It's probably a good life advice for a lot of a lot of things. And some people listening to this are thinking, how does this even apply to me? Like I'm, I, I, I don't have high credit card debts. I'm, I'm not someone who's not paying my bills. But hey, things happen, and especially I imagine. Tell me a little bit about how perhaps medical debt comes into play. Is is that a big piece of that? Oh yeah, medical debt is a huge piece. I have not checked the figures lately, but at one point in the last ten years, fifty percent of all bankruptcy filings were due to medical bills that people had ha suffered you know an individual or a family member had suffered some medical condition accident injury etc that was not fully covered or covered at all maybe in some instances by insurance and the as a result 
the those individuals found that the bet that they what they considered their best alternative was to file bankruptcy to to discharge that debt and medical bills are are an interesting area i used to work for a doing collections for a a hospital group here in california that was run by a a a church and every time i had to go to court with with them they sent their collection specialist from from their their local office and the first thing she would tell me was we have sent out to this individual our charity form and they have not sent it back and the first time i heard that i i i had to sit and ask the questions had to ask several questions and what it turned out is with this particular hospital group because they are run by a, a, a church they had set up a program where if an individual who could not pay their bill could would submit an application there was a process where all or part of that debt that medical bill could be forgiven as part of that group's charitable charitable actions and i have found that over the years i found that with other other hospitals that some of them some of them do some of them don't but as my as my oldest daughter reminds me constantly when something like this comes up if you don't ask the question the answer is always no so i encourage people if you have a debt especially specifically in the medical field but any debt communication with the creditor can sometimes be the difference between making a plan a workable plan for a repayment and be looking at a court judgment that you may never be able to pay off yeah that's a piece right there one of the biggest reasons we wanted to have you on is that hey communication is key and you're you're communicating in a situation that can be quite tense right somebody's owed some money you really ought to pay them you might not have that ability to pay them a lot of people listening are, are perhaps higher than average income and higher than average investments and yet medical debt is something that could happen to just about anyone you know who knows when all of a sudden a job changes and the insurance gets dropped or uh, something changes with your own uh, personal situation that hey this is something we ought to be uh, aware of uh, on, on different things and yet there could be a point where it gets to a bankruptcy what's funny i'm going to talk about that real quick i just looked at a few of the sentences on your website i thought oh you must be one of those people that just do a bankruptcy all the time but you're trying to hide it and you said no i don't do bankruptcy tell me a little bit about uh, that and and why you try to avoid bankruptcy well let me preface that with bankruptcy today no longer carries the stigma that it did even 30 years ago especially since about 2009 bankruptcy has become a more acceptable thing to have to have done 
I, I think I would almost bet that every one of our li of those listening today knows someone in their circle of friends or family that has filed bankruptcy in the last 10 years, last 10 to 20 years. And bankruptcy is a tool that can be used in proper situations, but it also comes with consequences. And uh, one such consequence is a creditor. Okay, here's a typical bankruptcy. You go in, you say, I'm, I have more debts than I have assets, more debts than I can pay off. I'm going to file what's called a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which is for an individual or individuals filing bankruptcy. And the goal of filing that bankruptcy is to have all of the debts discharged, meaning they are no longer owed. What majority of people do not realize when filing that bankruptcy is, yes, your creditor is no longer owed, but they can continue to report that to credit reporting agencies. So it, has, it may have an immediate effect on your credit or your ability to obtain credit in that manner. Second part of that is a bankruptcy, depending on which agency it is, remains on a person's credit record for seven to ten years. I, I that I had this discussion just last week about how credit affects lo our lives. I. I have a child who is moving from one state to another and is selling one home and buying another. And that sounds like an easy thing to do, but if she didn't have a substantial credit rating, she could, have, she could be looking at additional fees, additional costs, and higher interest rate than she would like to have. Fortunately, she has a great credit rating, not due to anything I've done, but due, her, due to her own knowledge and commitment. She's able to make that move, buy, you know, sell and buy at an excellent interest rate without having to worry about what's going to happen when they ask for a credit report or any of those things. So it's, it's important that way that if, you, if an individual, at least in my opinion, if an individual is going to consider bankruptcy, that they ask the questions and do the research to know in what ways that bankruptcy will affect them and for how long that bankruptcy will affect them. Yeah, I, th I think you can give yourself a little credit for uh, how well your daughter's doing. I got a feeling she learned a few things uh, from you about all this. And that's really what you're you're doing. Uh, you've contributed a lot of articles to different websites on debt, credit, consumer laws, bankruptcy. I think you've educated a lot of us already about how bankruptcy is a last resort. Here's how it affects you. And yet there's so many things you can do ahead of time when you do owe someone some money to just come to a good resolution. Uh, you wrote an article for our website called Nine Signs You Aren't Ready to Retire Financially. Uh, we'll have a link to that in our website. 
Yeah, that's an interesting thing because a lot of people are wanting to retire and trying to figure out the right time to retire. Uh, and maybe you gotta think not so much sometimes of here's the positives of retirement, but let's find the right time. And maybe you're not ready to retire because you've got to get into uh, some financial shape. So that's a great article we'll link to about ways you can get into the right financial shape uh, to retire. And let's talk about a book you wrote. Uh, it came out just about a year ago. It's the Think Different, Save More book. We'll have a link to that on Amazon. Uh, why did you write that book? And what are some some simple tips? The, the kind of the the subtitle is Simple Tips for Saving Money uh, on there. What what are some tips for for doing that? Well, one of them first is to, um, and I, and I cannot take credit for this. I've listened to Susie Orman and other financial experts over the years and tried to incorporate the things that I've heard them say and find find the way to incorporate them into my life and also into my dealings with others. One of the first things that I, I taught my children, which I had not learned much prior to having children, was that if you are working and you have bills, you should first pay yourself. Whether you can, and, and by paying, my, paying yourself, we are talking about having some kind of savings plan. I know when I was a newlywed, my savings plan was probably about one-tenth of one percent of what I was earning. And you'll hear that figure and you say, well, what good does that do? So let me tell you what it does. This week I put a dollar away. Next week I put another dollar away. Now I have two dollars put away. Pretty soon, if I'm doing that every week, that becomes $52 at the end of the year. Now, $52 today doesn't buy much. But when I got married 43 years ago, $52 put away and not touched till today, you know, even today, would have, just putting that $52 away, would have accumulated interest to a point that it would be a substantial amount of money. So regardless of how little it is, I have, all, I have tried to live by that theory of pay yourself first put something away, start with something, no matter how small it is, an amount it is. I, I have to, I have a friend whose young son had started doing some chores and was mowing his lawn and his parents' lawn and one of the neighbors said, would you like to come over and mow my lawn? And so he did and the neighbor said, here is this enough money and he paid him and he, at first he was just absolutely astounded that someone would pay him for mowing their lawn. And then his father wisely said, well, let's go open a savings account. And he put that money into the savings account and he kept doing odd jobs and taking the money to the savings account. And then 
one day he found a, got a statement and it not only said this is how much you've deposited in there but here's the interest that we are paying you to have that money in this savings account and again he was astounded because he didn't have to work for that money all he had to do was leave his money in that account now i'm not advocating that a savings account with your local bank is the best place to invest but it's a place to start and yeah that's exactly it. it's a place to start and so many times we'll talk to people who are thinking of their kids thinking of their grandkids like you start out you said you you taught your children. I think that's a good song. Teach your children well. I think is that the one? Or uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, think of that it song. Runs in my head always. Exactly. Just teach your children well. And a lot of times the parents, grandparents, are asking, "Hey, should I start an account for my my kids, my grandkids? How much should I put into there?" And yes, it'll grow to a big amount if I give them a thousand bucks or five thousand dollars. And I tell them uh, that's wonderful, but. The more important thing is not the thousand dollars you give your kids or grandkids. It's the habit that they can create by having them put in their own money. So yes, a lot of times accounts like uh, at Vanguard or Fidelity, someplace might have a thousand dollar minimum. And if that's what it takes to get the account started, go for it. But really the more important thing is not the money that they almost start out with themselves. It's the habit. You have that habit to put a dollar a week away and it doesn't matter if you start small, just start and get in the habit. That's the biggest thing, especially when you start out young, to, to think different, save more, come out ahead in the long run. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Well, good. Well, I want to finish up on a, a couple uh, different notes here where you've written uh, so many uh, different articles, two that popped to mind that when I was looking through them, one of them is top baking mistakes consumers are making. Share with us, what's the number one? What's the biggest thing? What mistakes are people making with their bank? Well, probably the, the biggest mistake is not moving money from to a higher interest bearing accounts when it, I, I just recently talked with an individual who came in and had thousands of dollars sitting in a savings account. And I said, is it there for a purpose? Well, no, it's, you know, it's just, that's my savings account. And so my advice there was, and I've, I've seen this with many people, was then once your savings account reaches a certain point, start looking at ways to, to utilize it better. Higher interest bearing accounts, whether it be a money market or some other type of investment. And, and believe me, I, I, am, I am somewhat risk averse, so I 
constantly tell people, you know, find those products that that if you are risk averse, like I tend to be at times, those things that are guaranteed, that are insured, that, you know, carry the least possible risk. But I think the biggest mistake for people is keeping too much money tied up in a low interest bearing account when there isn't a need for it. Now, there are times that it's that that may be a necessity, but you have to evaluate and see that you're not falling into that trap of, well, it's there, it's close at hand, it's easy to do. It's, when it's close at hand and easy to do, it's also easy to tap into. Yeah, if the Which, money's more available, you can get the money out quicker. That might encourage you to spend quicker. And a lot exactly. of people just fall into the habit, like you are saying. Uh, perhaps you've been with one bank that's down the street for years upon years. Well, they they owe you something called interest. And if you're not getting what you're owed, you're not getting the interest you deserve that you could get somewhere else, you ought to be looking into that. I remember this is, now here we are talking in 2022, uh, probably like 2019 or so, interest rates were, were okay. Like uh, you could get almost 2% on savings accounts online. And I ran into so many people in 2019 that were talking about how low their, you know, banked on the street was paying them an interest. And I would say, well, go online. There's places called maxmyinterest.com, bankrate.com. You can research and find and see there's places that are willing to pay you almost 2%. And you're getting not even 0.2%. It's like 50 to one sometimes on these uh, interest rates uh, there. Now, of course, all the rates dropped for a couple of years. Here we are in 2022. They might be you know, coming back up again. So you are approaching the point now, if you do have a lot of money in the bank and getting a low interest rate, there may be some alternatives that are out there. But whatever it is, it's your money. You decided that you're going to keep it in the savings account or money market or something. You ought to be looking at what else is out there as an alternative uh, on there. And it's, it's, it's worth getting. It's uh, worth the effort. And sometimes, real quick on this, is people would say to me, well, I don't trust an online bank. You know, I'd, I'd rather see where my money is. Okay, the, the bank doesn't actually hold on to your money. So uh, you can see the building, but your money's not there. And then when I say, that's that's fine, you know, some people don't like to bank online. Tell me, how does it work with your current bank that's down the street? It's, oh, it's great, they got this app. I can deposit things online. So wait a second, you are doing online banking. You're just doing it with a bank down the street that's not paying you any interest. So maybe it's worthwhile to research what other online banks are out there besides the one you're using and get some better interest. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jeremy. Good. Fine. Well, I want to finish out with another a uh, another article you wrote, which is, uh, what is it like to date someone in debt and how to help them? You said you're married for 43 years now. I got a feeling you're not dating someone in debt recently, so this is maybe not personal experience. <laughs> but a lot of people you know, hit their 50s, hit their 60s, hit their 70s, and they're uh, getting divorced or becoming widowed. And at some point... Uh, they are uh, interested in perhaps dating other people. And chances are, especially in your 50s to 70s, uh, your financial situation might look a lot different than when you were 20s and, and met your you know first spouse the first time around. And I, I got a feeling this idea of dating someone in debt probably comes up a lot more uh, recently for those folks than maybe the, the first time around in the dating scene. Tell, tell me about that article and some, some tips for people. 
Well, unfortunately, Jeremy, it happens to people at every age. True. I recently yeah. was dealing with a young couple in their 20s, and um, they were engaged, and the young lady found out that the young man had six credit cards all maxed out and other other debt beside that. And the first thing she did was she said, I'm not setting a date with you until we address this. And you know, he, he really looked at her <laughs> with you know, with the evil eye, well, but you said you love me. And it was a, I know it was a very hard conversation with her and with them as I met with them in regards to this. But the fact is, is finances are a, finances are in the top five of reasons why people divorce. They are in the top five of relationship killers. So you owe it to yourself to understand first of all your own finances and where you're at but also to know where and to be honest about it but also to know where the person you're dating is with their finances if you are getting serious i mean a one a, a one-time date doesn't require anything you go, you, you know, you decide you may or may not have a fun time. But if you are getting, if somebody is getting into a relationship, there needs to be at some point, in my opinion, a conversation about, about finances. And that's what, you know, and I've heard people say, well, you know, they're my finances. Even if we get together, they're still my finances. That may not always be the case, depending on the state you live in. You know, I see all the time, I hear heard from people talking about divorce. Well, you know, she's going to take her debt, I'm going to take my debt. That, that's really nice thing to say. But if you had, if you had a joint account whether it be a credit card or some other type of loan, the creditor does, the bank does not care who said they were going to take the, the debt at the time of split. I have numerous times in the past filed a lawsuit on behalf of a bank, received a phone call from, from, a, from an attorney who says, well, I represented husband in the divorce and wife was wife agreed to take all that take that debt and I say well that's that was really nice of her but did my client sign a contract saying that they would accept her as the only one responsible for the debt now after they both signed the initial application as responsible so that's you know that's part of it but the like I say, the more important part to me is when getting into a relationship, you want to know the, your, your counterparts' circumstances in regards to the, at least have a good over, uh, a general idea, good general idea of their, of their finances.
and know that you're not, you know, because there are circumstances where even if that debt was pre-existing, if you come into the relationship, you could, you could become responsible. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, it's interesting. It's not just the debt, but also the the assets and the lifestyle. If you are someone that's uh, dating, you might have different expectations of what um, expensive restaurant might look like. You might be uh, pu- pushing them further into debt to say, "Hey, let's always go out and and spend this money that they don't have," and it could be. Uh, you know, an embarrassing situation. You got to have those, those conversations. And, uh, we'll, we'll link to that article as well too, cause that's uh, absolutely important. Awesome. Well, Lyle, thanks for, for coming on the show. You shared a lot of stuff with us, simple tips for saving more money, paying down debt. And Hey, even talking about debt with uh, maybe the person you're dating. That's a, that's important stuff too. <laughs> well, thank you very much for inviting me, Jeremy. I appreciate the opportunity and appreciate and uh, you know, look forward to having further contact with maybe having further contact with some of your listeners as they, as the need may arise. You got it. Actually, what's the best way for people to uh, reach out to you? I know we'll have links, but why don't you just uh, let us know right now? Well, the best, the best way to, to reach me and to reach our group is at Oakview Law Group and the website. I, I, I know that I'm going to say it wrong, but it's ovlg.com or just Google Oakview Law Group. And our website will come up. It has opportunities to, to contact, to have virtual chat, as well as to you know, find, um, have, email, have email addresses to be able to reach out to us and so that we and so that we can contact and have communication with individuals that are maybe in need of our services and also that would like to talk with myself or any of our staff on on these financial issues yeah i've i've been through your website it's uh, got a lot of great information so people should definitely check it out we'll have a link to that the oakview law group and lyle solomon so lyle thank you for coming on And thanks to everyone for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.